Hi, I'm Tim Golden. And I'm Jason Hall. And welcome to the Motown Philly Podcast. Episode three, Jason. Wow, three episodes in. We are we are staking our claim in the podcast universe one episode at a time. How you been since last week, Jason? Bro, I'm feeling good, man. I'm really, really feeling good. I'm feeling good about what we're doing. Um, this is episode three, and I feel like I got stamina to do a thousand. Man, you and me both. I, I feel so good about what we've done so far because for those of you that may be tuning in for the first time, you can check us out on Spotify for sure. I have shared the link to some of my social media. By the way, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. T- at, I'm sorry, not Dr. At D-R-T-J Golden, mm-hmm. E-S-Q, at D-R-T-J Golden, E-S-Q. And you can find me on Instagram at a good golden man. You can also find me on Facebook. Just type in my name, Tim Golden. I guarantee you I'm the only Tim Golden in Walla Walla, Washington. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Where can folks find you, Jason? Well, I do most of my socialization, Tim Golden, on Instagram. So the speaker's mechanic. That's where you can find me at the speaker's mechanic on Instagram. You can also find me if you're TikToking. Uh, I just thought about that. I'm on there a little. Uh, same thing, the speaker's mechanic, all one word, of course. And if you're looking for me on TikTok, not TikTok, on, on Twitter, you can find me Jason Hall Speaks at Jason Hall Speaks. Um, I believe I'm going to start posting a little bit more there, at least from the perspective of this podcast and making sure everybody has an opportunity to listen in on what we do. As a matter of fact, Tim, what what do we do for our new listeners who are who are coming into uh, this community? What we do here at the Motown Philly podcast Jason, is we deal with issues related to communication because we're interested in better communication to build deeper connection Mm. and deeper community. That's what we're we're about here. And for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, again, you can check out the first two episodes on Spotify. Last week, we talked about vulnerability Mm -hmm. and communication. And this week, we are talking about the subject of wholehearted living, wholehearted Mm -hmm. living and communication. Definitely. And, you know, Jason, as I thought about this subject for this week, one of the things that really stuck with me was I couldn't think about wholehearted living without bringing up a fourth C, which is commitment. So we have the three C's, communication, connection, and community. Mm -hmm. And this week we're talking about wholehearted living. And I couldn't help but think about the word commitment. Because if we're going to communicate better, to have deeper connection, and an improved sense of community with one another, 
we have to commit to that. And if we're going to commit to something, commitment implies that nothing is done in a half-hearted way. There mm-hmm. are no half measures here on the Motown Philly podcast. No, is no, that right, no. Jason? No, There's no, we're not about doing anything half-hearted or haphazard. Can I say we, this? Uh, Let me please, say this. So, to that do. point, to that point exactly, Tim Golden, is one of the reasons why you and I often talked about doing this podcast and like years ago, starting a podcast, we we often mentioned it and, and said what we are going to do and what we're going to talk about. But to your point, as much as we want to do it, our whole hearts wasn't in it. That's right. That's right. So I, I said last week that here at the Speakers Mechanic and here at the Motown Philly podcast, one of the things that we do is we don't just talk the talk, we walk the walk. And so I, I want to talk about this week what it takes to commit to communication, connection, and community. And the first thing we have to do, I think, Jason, is look at all three of the words that make up our mission, communication, connect, and community. And I'm thinking now of a fifth C, (laughs) which is counterfeit. Because for every one of the things that comprise our motto, there's a counterfeit communication, there is a counterfeit connection, and there are plenty of counterfeit communities. Oh, right. You know, you got to unpack that, bro. And so, right. So here's what I'm thinking. Commitment has a way of removing what is counterfeit or artificial and bringing us to a place of authenticity. We have to come to a place of authenticity because if not, then our propensity to communicate in half-hearted ways that are counterfeit and thus to establish half-hearted counterfeit connections resulting in half-hearted counterfeit communities that tendency is going to be lessened if we commit. What do I mean? Talk Let's about talk it, about some things that, what the, I think the first thing we have to ask ourselves when it comes to this idea of living wholeheartedly as it relates to commitment is what are some of the things that produce counterfeit communication counterfeit connection and counterfeit community. And I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the things, one of the concepts of wholehearted living from our good friend, Brene Brown, Mm -hmm. is not caring about what other people think, is letting go and embracing authenticity, right? So in the spirit of embracing authenticity, I will say that nothing engenders counterfeit communication, 
connection and community quite as well as religion. Talk about it. And I want to begin with a quote from a thinker who you and I acknowledge as the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Uh-oh. I'm no, talking no. about none other than the great James Baldwin. James Baldwin. And I want to I want to lead into this with a statement from him. And this is from his essay called The Fire Next Time. And James Baldwin writes in that essay, quote, it is not too much to say that whoever wishes to become a truly moral being must first divorce himself from all the prohibitions, crimes, and hypocrisies of the Christian church. Mm. If the concept of God has any validity or any use, it can only be to make us larger, freer, and more loving. If God cannot do this, then it is time we got rid of it. Close wow. quote. Now, when he said we have to rid ourselves of the crimes, hypocrisies, etc., of the Christian church, you could substitute Christian for Islamic, you could substitute it for Jewish, you could substitute it with almost any religion that you, you wish, Eastern or Western, monotheistic, polytheistic, what have you, because religion, and I'm not being critical of religion, Mm -hmm. I'm being critical of a certain kind of religion. Right. Uh, you and I come from a certain religious community that has cornered the market on counterfeit communication, mm -hmm. counterfeit connection, yep. and counterfeit community. Yeah. We, we, there are certain communities that are not committed and and what it what is it that makes something like religion so easy a roadblock to authenticity so i have some ideas about that i think one of the things mm -hmm. that makes religion such an impediment and again this is not an attack on a belief in god no so this is not a this is not an attack i'm not here to tell anybody you need to be an atheist i'm not here to tell anybody that religion is inherently bad. I'm just trying to point out a blind spot right. in religion and religious practice. And one of the things is that happens with religion is we can commit ourselves to a creed without committing ourselves to people. Yeah. We can commit ourselves to a creed without committing ourselves to ourselves. That's something. Uh, and, wait, 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 wait. Don't run by that. Come on. <laughs> so if you remember last week, Jason, we had a long conversation about having community with oneself, mm -hmm. having honesty and authenticity with oneself. Listening to the inner dialogue of ourselves or, or choosing to ignore it. That's right. We can become so committed to a religious affiliation, whatever that religious affiliation is, that our principal 
reason for being is this creed or this ob this objective set of beliefs that's written down somewhere. Mm -hmm. We are committed to that, but we are not committed to ourselves. And if we're not committed to ourselves, we can't really be committed to others. So notice what will happen then. We commit to a creed, others commit to a creed, and now you've built a community of persons that have no interest in being committed to one another as people, but are only committed to the creed. So now in the event that one person may have a, a struggle with the creed, now that person is ostracized from the community. Right. The thing is, like, they're they're having this this commitment to this creed with a false, like you said, a pseudo, a counterfeit belief that they're really having this commitment to the individuals that they sit across the table from, or that they do that they, you know, if it's talking, we're talking about religion, that they do church with, or they do, that they do life with, but there is no sincere, it lacks sincere interest. Um, and this is generally speaking, right? That's right. That's right. And it becomes, it becomes counterfeit communication. Mm. Hi, happy Sabbath. So nice to see you today. Oh, how's the wife? Oh, the Lord is good. Are you coming over for potluck right. after right. church? And you go over and you have connection, but the connection is, is, is no more real than the communication. And now you have constructed a community centered around a creed that completely ignores the people yeah. in the creed because the creed is perfect. And the people are not. Right. And what is easier to commit to? Something that we can tell ourselves is perfect, is complete, something that we can convince ourselves is infallible, mm -hmm. or actually helping one another with the ugly messiness that is everyday life. I don't know about you, but I'll take the creed. And right. I think that's what happens. The things that we don't want to talk about because it doesn't look doesn't look or feel good in the light of the creed or in the light of the thing that we're pledging our allegiance to, so to speak. And we lose touch of the actual person or the humanity of the individual because the creed shines through. And it's it is infallible and it looks good and it's and it's shiny in a lot of ways. But let's not worry about the true realness of life that happens to the individual as we go throughout our days and our weeks in this thing called life. That's right, Jason. And listen, I'm not being critical of any denomination, any religion. I'm speaking from my own experience. I'm sure if there were people, if there are people listening who are members of, of other religious denominations and and they they probably had similar experiences too. We we like to organize ourselves around things that are perfect because we don't really have to do anything. The mm -hmm. the, the, the 
the beliefs are already there for us. We don't have to do any hard work. The hard work comes when people say things to us, like when we when we're when we're connecting, and I'm putting connecting in scare quotes, our listeners can't see what I'm doing, but you can. <laughs> when we are connecting with one another, somebody will ask, Oh, how have you been? And the person will begin to, will slip into a mode of authenticity and begin to share how they have been. And then that will go up. And, and right. And almost immediately, the person who asked the question is thinking to him or herself, why are you telling me all of this? Well, you ask, think, think about what's going on there, Jason. You ask the question, and your mode of communication is so counterfeit, is so inauthentic, is so averse to authentic connection and authentic community that you really can't believe the person is actually sharing something about their lives with you, craving yeah. the authenticity right. that this counterfeit community has engendered. Which, in fact, it seems and will feel like you're breaking social code. Like, we we have a social construct in here as to how we're how we do things and how we communicate. Me coming from my my background and just knowing uh, different types of communication and what and how we do things, we call things that we do often over and over again. It can be done in, in, in verbiage or it can be done in action, but it's we call it rote communication. It's like autopilot. When you step into a space, this is what I say and even what I do. And if you do that so much, there is a there is a um, there is a digression. There is a taking away of co actual conscious thought, which in turn kind of solidifies what rote is. I do an activity or I say a set of words. And I don't even have the thoughtful mindset to understand really what I'm saying, or it's just, I walk into this place or I'm around these people. So these things just start to come out of me and actually how I think in this particular space, whether conscious or unconscious, just tends, that operating system tends to take over. Here's scene number six, culture. So what you just referenced are linguistic practices which occur in the context of a culture that encourages counterfeit communication, counterfeit connection, and counterfeit community. And so, as you so nicely put it, we begin to do this unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And what I want people to take away from this episode today, Jason, is I want folk out there who are listening to begin to think of ways where you can suspend these harmful linguistic communicative practices that are basically reflexes and put that aside long enough and ask yourself before you talk, what am I going to say? How can I turn the perfunctory 
greeting into an invitation to authenticity. True, true, true. Because, how, can, how can I get yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking as you talk about that, we go full circle and says, after all what we've mentioned to this point, what does that have to do with wholehearted living and communication? And I think we're about to really step our foot in it because it starts with communication. And we talked about that on the last two episodes, just talking about, especially the last one, just talking about knowing and being aware of that of that, that communicative conversation that should be healthy and we should be very present with what's going on within our mind, our hearts, and our spirits and making sure that it has a succinct alignment. But when we're unconscious and we use these rote cultural, if you will, no matter, and we're, we're talking about culture as far as the environment specifically, um, the religious environment specifically is like, what am I saying? And how is that connected to what am I thinking? Because if it's not connected to what I'm thinking, my connection, because it starts with communication, my connections will also be rote. It will also be unconnected with real, true, sincere, deep, conscious behaviors that will that will change or translate into something that is a beautiful community. And, and that's right, Jason. And here's the thing. If I am beset by inauthenticity, if, if, if the inauthenticity that hinders me is such that I can never have authentic communication, connection, and community, I can never commit, and I am light years away from wholehearted living. That's the reality. And that's the connection between the two things. So everything we're talking, and by the way, religion is just one example. Right. I chose religion as an example. You could pick a corporate culture. You could pick, you could pick. A friendship culture, a peer culture pick, that you've grown right. up with. That's right. You can pick all kinds of, of mediums. I'm just using religion here as an example. But I want to, I want to, I want to slip into another mode here, Jason, because I want to talk about another kind of communication. And we're going to have to devote an episode to this, too. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something called indirect communication. Mm -hmm. And when we think of communication, uh, we think of different things that we can say in different ways that we can say it. So, for example, if I said to you, Barack Obama was the 44th president of the United States, that's a historical fact. Right. I can just say that and you can verify that directly. But if I said to you, love your neighbor as yourself, that's something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. How do I verify that? How do I do that? Mm -hmm. Right. So the former example about Barack Obama being the 44th president of the United States can easily be communicated. It's sort of a one-to-one, -one, I say it, you hear it, you can verify it. Mm -hmm. But the second one, love your neighbor as you love yourself, it almost, that almost can't be communicated directly. We often need examples. 
And some of those examples come to us in indirect communication through fiction. And this is interesting because we tend to think of fiction as not being true. Well, how can something false lead me into the truth? Well, let's think about it. If you think of examples, for those who are listening that may be familiar with the Judeo-Christian tradition, Jesus taught in parables. Right? He taught in parables. He told stories, mm -hmm. right? And I want to I want to revert to an instance in the work of James Baldwin that I think is important. It's a fictional story. It's a story called Sonny's Blues. It's the story of two brothers. One of them is a high school algebra teacher. The other one is a heroin addicted jazz musician. Mm -hmm. The the high school algebra teacher promised his mother that he would look after his younger brother, Sonny. Sonny was the jazz musician. Okay. And the story opens and Sonny has been arrested in a drug raid in Harlem. He's been put in jail. And the narrator of the story, who's nameless, has not communicated with him in years. The narrator's daughter, whose name is Grace, dies. It's a little girl about the age of eight years old. She tragically dies of a disease and it's not until grace dies that he begins to communicate with his brother and write him letters and reach out and fulfill his commitment to his mother mm -hmm. now if we step away from the direct nature of the story and a one-to-one -one sort of correspondence where we see grace as his child if we can step mm -hmm. back from that grace is the central feature of what kind of theology? Christian theology. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in the story, Grace dies. Mm -hmm. So now Grace is dead. There's a certain philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche, who is famous for his claim, God is dead. He doesn't mean literally that God, had a, God died and had a funeral. What he means is that our theological explanations for the world have outlived their usefulness. They're just not working anymore. There's no more excuses. Okay. And once the narrator's daughter died, Grace died, that represents the death of a certain God. And for Nietzsche, the death of God brought about with it the birth of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So now that I can't hide behind the God excuse, I have to actually engage with people and that engagement begins with an authentic mode of communication that builds connection between the narrator and his heroin addicted brother Sonny who he promised his mother he would care for. The point being sometimes we have to move idols out of the way. Mm -hmm. Right? We mm -hmm. have to we have to find ways to at a minimum suspend hopefully in some cases terminate the influences that prevent us from building connection through communication so we can have stronger community. And I, I thought that was an example that sort of encompassed uh, this idea of wholehearted living because it's not until the narrator does that, that him and his brother have a relationship that takes off and they eventually learn to accept one another and they go on living their lives as brothers and as friends. I think that's a fascinating story. 
um, and the analogy of it kind of really hits home um, once there's a death of the Gracie and yep. having the connection to where that tragedy brings individuals together. I do believe that you often have shared with me, and I'm glad we're talking about James Baldwin and wholehearted living and communication, because from the beginning of our podcast today to the middle, and I believe this could be a good stopping point of, uh, in, our, in our conversation today, if you share with the audience a real life Baldwin uh, scenario where he had to actually stop doing something that was significant in his day, especially for his age in which he was doing it. And the reason why he stopped for me, that was an, that's a pure example of wholehearted living and the ability to start learning how to communicate his passions, his desires, um, his purpose, his purpose that he was in life to actually, you know, eventually end up doing. But he did something and he learned something at a very young age, a very young genius, um, James Baldwin. If you do not know him, get to know him. And this story that I think Tim is going to, Tim is going to share with us when James kind of came to himself um, for the sake of wholehearted living. It's an amazing story. I'm setting you up. Tim didn't even know I was going to talk about this. That's all right, because what you and I have also done, and I'm, I'll do this as I sort of go through the story, is we have juxtaposed the authenticity of James Baldwin and his remarkable ability to attain such a level of authenticity at a young age with the extreme difficulties that Dr. King faced Ooh, is that in, facing, is that a... <laughs> in facing very similar situations. And, and somehow, somehow, uh, Dr. King found a way to maintain his authenticity, mm -hmm. albeit not to the degree, he, could, he flat out couldn't do it to the degree Baldwin could, but he found a way to, through his political involvement, transcend an institution that otherwise would have had a stranglehold on him and would have prevented him from doing what he was called to do. So here's what we're talking about. James Baldwin was a childhood preacher at his church in Harlem growing up. Right. And he tells the story of how at a young age, he had learned how to preach in a way that would get all these black people to come up and donate money to the church and it was money that he knew they didn't have. And James Baldwin got to the point where he said he couldn't do it anymore because he was talking about things he wasn't so sure he believed. And he just got to a place where he said, I can no longer do this. Mm -hmm. And he had to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think 
when Jason talked about what a remarkable feat that was, he sort of embraced it. And he said, this is how I'm going to live. This is who I am. James Baldwin left the United States. He went to Paris, lived in Paris for a little while, was openly gay. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a challenge. Uh, this is a challenge in the black community. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. a challenge. Then it's a challenge today, I'm sure, right, for right. Uh, folks, uh, for same sex loving uh, folks in mm-hmm. in religious communities. And and so when you think about that. And you think about the fact that Dr. King was a third or fourth generation Baptist preacher. Mm-hmm. And you think about the sorts of inauthentic modes of communication, connection, and the, or I should say the counterfeit modes of communication, connection, and community that are centered around creeds rather than people. I can almost guarantee you Dr. King looked around at folk in the church and was said to himself at different points, these people are crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there were moments when Dr. King himself, it comes through in some of his later speeches and sermons where he talks about, you know, I never told you that I was perfect. Uh, you know, he, he's, you can see the authenticity dying to come out and I'm sure there were times when Dr. King just wanted to walk away from it all, but he just couldn't. He couldn't do it in the way that Baldwin could do it. And this is an interesting study. On, but that doesn't mean that in that Dr. King didn't, and this is what I think is remarkable about Dr. King. He managed, because of his vocation, to still live in a wholehearted manner. Right. And that's why I think it's so important for people to have never allow the church or the job or the schoolhouse or or any sort of social or political institution to comprise your entire life because those institutions have cultures that are counterfeit that will prevent connection communication and community you have to find a space of authenticity i think that's probably what help Dr. King keep his sanity Mm or his political and social activities outside of the church. But without question, Baldwin was able to stand up to the church and walk away from it in a way that Dr. King was not. And I think that's a fascinating, those are two fascinating case studies on what we're talking about this week in terms of wholehearted living. I think we can really dig into those stories in its own episode, because I have my ideas and we've talked about them, you know, off, off wax, if you will, off this podcast about the lives of Dr. King um, and James Baldwin. And I really think that James was a genius for him, for himself to, to come to the realizations that he did at such a young age. He was literally, I believe, 14 or 15, in a lot of ways, a dynamic preacher, communicator, if you will, even so much from what I understand from my research, better than his dad. And he was garnering more attention and more favor. And it was like, he was looking, he was able to look and see what he was doing it's ill effects 
And what if he continued to do this very same thing? It wasn't just in my idea, only a moral um, conflict that he was wrestling with. Like, I guess it was, but it was just like, I, I believe he saw the story of himself maybe in his father or what he was just doing to like, he mapped the whole thing out. He's like, in a way, like I could be stuck like this because I have these people because of the way I communicate literally eating out of my hand. And he, he wanted no parts of that because of the control that he was able to wield on how he was communicating. So he had this inner dialogue that we talked about and he was able to have reconciliation with that inner dialogue to say, bro, I'm not just doing well. Like he could have stayed in that state and just really received the, the accolades and the pat on the backs about, you know, you're a 14 year old and you are, you're, you're getting honors and, and uh, types of attention that your, that your dad or other pastors would get, maybe even more so because of your age. And he's just like, I kind of understand this power. I understand what this power is doing. And I see myself in the future with this power. And it really, it, it will leave me desolate if I continued in this type of way. And you juxtapose that to, to King. King was brilliant in his own way. But I do believe, like you said, it was probably towards the the growing end of his life that he started to also come to realizations that and this is funny because this is basically what we talked about in the entire and on the entire podcast he started coming to those inner dialogues or coming to to himself if you will in his inner dialogues to be like this like things were different from him if you start to really study the in life of king i think he lived like what you and i were was speaking about initially when we started this podcast and there is as good as he was as good as he was and all the great things that that dr king did i think there was a part of himself that he that he continued to ignore until he got to a certain age and he started to see I've, I, you know, I've been living in some parts, not in all parts, not as wholeheartedly as I could, could, and as I should. And let, let us be plain and honest and simple in this matter too, Tim, to live wholeheartedly is, is a daily journey, is a daily walk. Tim and I are not saying that Yo, we have found in any any of these episodes that we do that we understand and and totally live the holy grail of what we speak about because we don't. It it is an experience. It is a journey. It is a relationship, and we love to talk about it and bring life to it because it opens eyes and it makes each it makes us aware of how can we just be better. How can we be better? That's right, Jason. And let's face it, wholehearted living is a risk. It is a risk that engenders discomfort. Mm -hmm. It's a risk that makes you lose sleep at night. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. It's the kind of risk that will cause you to pause and say, wait a minute, am I doing the right thing? You will second guess yourself. So I guess those of you who are listening, in the words uh, who are familiar with Christianity, in the words of of the Apostle Paul, uh, Jason and I count ourselves not to have apprehended, Hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. We just press forward toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And you know the, I probably butchered that, but I'm paraphrasing. The, The idea is, as Jason said, that this is a journey. Right, Jason, and that we we haven't figured it out, and I don't think James Baldwin or Dr. King had it all figured out, but I think they're wonderful examples of how the human spirit, even when it is suppressed by religious communities by whatever institution, social or political institution, whether it be the church or something else, no matter what pressure there is that suppresses that, uh, they are wonderful examples of the resiliency of the human spirit and the deep need for us to connect Mm -hmm. on authentic levels, Mm -hmm. to communicate authentically, to connect authentically, and to have authentic community. The counterfeit only lasts but so long before Mm -hmm. it is discovered. I'm sure you could pass counterfeit bills in in our culture for a little while, but eventually somebody is going to figure it out. And it's the same way with communication, connection, and community. You 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 could deceive yourself. You can convince yourself that your commitment to the creed is enough, but the humanity in you will eventually cry out and say the community with this creed is nothing in comparison to the community that you need to have with other people. With and to the community that, that right, and to the community that you need to begin to have with yourself and then that you need to have between yourself and others. So we're all trying to get there. And at some point, I think both of us, Jason, have acknowledged that we are on similar journeys, that as we go through life, we have we have made journeys in in some ways to suspend some of these institutional practices that are terribly dehumanizing terribly mm-hmm. harmful mm-hmm. and and we may talk about some of those examples but what i'm grateful for is that i can say this in my journey to find authenticity i found genuine communication connection and community with you true and that is worth the price of the ticket Likewise, brother. Um, that's that's um, worth the price of the ticket because when you really connect with someone, when you are when you can be vulnerable with someone, mm-hmm. and and get beyond the veneer of toxic cultural and social practices to develop a bond of of authentic community, that is 
unlike any other feeling in the world. And if you get to experience that one time in life, you're blessed. I, I've often said that my, my life in terms of the friendships, the friendships and the fellowship that I have with you, Jason, and my other close friends is really an embarrassment of riches. Mm. It, it really is. I'm astonished at the level of authenticity I'm able to have with my friends. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I, I echo those sentiments. It's the richness that you can, that you can discover in really honing in and that conversation with yourself, which, which facilitates that connection with someone else. And you get a chance to really develop community with those, that person and those people. And it continues to deepen with continued communication, connection, and coming together. Like there is, there is, is, there is a richness to that. Like you said, an embarrassment of riches. Like you're just, sometimes you, I am grateful. I'm like you, Tim. I am grateful for the friends that I have. And it, I have many, but there is a circle, a circle around me um, that gets tighter of individuals that I have in my life that, you know, are worth their weight in gold or or I could just say priceless and I'm just I'm, I'm and you're one of them and I'm I'm grateful for that thank you Jason again I the feeling here is mutual and and I hope that those of you who are listening to this conversation between me and Jason will be able to at least begin to take steps to to take that risk right Maybe it's religion, maybe it's your job, maybe it's some other social or political institution. And, and the nowadays, especially nowadays, Jason, with politics, mm. right? I mean, we could have used politics as an example. Mm. The, the, the amount of families that have been torn asunder mm. by people. I, I saw a story today on CNN, a former New York City police officer was sentenced to 10 years in federal prison for his role in assaulting a police officer with a flagpole on January 6th. And one of the things he said when he was sent, before he was sentenced, he said, and it was so heartbreaking to read it. He said, your honor, my children don't see me the same way anymore. Wow. And how, how, how dangerous is it when we build community now we talked about religion and we talk about politics now how how dangerous is it when people have had their families torn apart because they have built community around creeds like QAnon talking points or far right wing talking points or far left wing talking points Tim, for that me, matter. there is a there is a senator who's Republican and you might know who I'm speaking of. He was a part of the commission or committee who sat on the um, on the I don't know, on the board or whatever, when it when it, when they were talking about what happened on January the 6th. And he is as Republican as he wants to be, but he stands against the things that 
Oh, you're talking about Congressman Adam Kinsinger. Yes. And he he is very much in his party, but he speaks wholeheartedly. Wholehearted. Like people in his family shuns him because they hold on to that creed. And it almost seems like, yo, you should be Democrat the way you know. And he's just like, no, I, I know who I am and where I am. And I know my values are to this party. But we're so far right, like, y'all don't even understand. But his wholehearted living to just true human values makes him seem like like a leftist when he's really just centrist in his own particular particular political party. It's it's fascinating to watch him stand strong and, and... and unashamed and wholeheartedly in his 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 beliefs and just look at you know and and is truly able to discern what is right and what is wrong i mean it's it's the same it's the same you could say the same exact thing about liz cheney liz cheney just got voted out of office in the primary in her state of wyoming because she said I am not going to I am going to suspend this toxic conversation this toxic that the election was stolen this cuz every creed has its list of of statements and beliefs that must be accepted right and Liz Cheney said I'm not I'm suspending the creed it's this about something deeper than the creed and as I thought about the, the former police officer who was sentenced today to a decade in federal prison, and I listened to him, I thought about the inauthentic community that was formed around, uh, around January 6th and all of the families that were left in the wake of the formation of this community because they're people who were relatives of those who went to DC and said, what are you doing? And the way that communication broke down, the way that real care and love and concern for one another in family became subordinated to a political ideological creed that did nothing but destroy. So let's say this, let's say this. A a disjointed or lack of wholehearted living will eventually lead to this, like what I call it, I'm not sure if it's discommunity or discommunication and uh, a fracturing of relational, like togetherness at the end of the day. That's right, that's right. If, if, you, if you do not learn wholehearted living, you are dysfunctional and your dysfunction will integrate counterfeit communities mm-hmm. and will disintegrate authentic community. Mm-hmm. Authentic community will disintegrate. It will break down. Mm-hmm. It will melt away. And in its place will be constructed an idol, mm-hmm. if you will, or a, a pseudo community that is so dysfunctional it is ultimately headed for nothing but trouble. So I, I, I would just hope that uh, folks take that away. When, uh, for me, 
if you're listening to this, when you, when we, as we conclude things now, as we wrap things up, just remember, if you're going to live wholeheartedly, you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to commit. You're going to have to commit to authentic dialogue with yourself and authentic community with others. And if you're afraid of that, just ask yourself, what risk is worse? To risk suspending it or to risk going headlong into a false sense of community that in the long run is going to do more harm than good. I hope you decide to suspend it and get authentic. True. Um, it's just, it's beautiful how what we talked about last week and being vulnerable, that's, it's risky. It's risky to open up and wholehearted living is an extension of that. It's almost like a, a, a mindful policing of where you are. It's the next step to vulnerability as you walk into a succinctness, if you will, so that you're not walking in discommunication at the end of the day. Jaden, let me say one more thing, and this might, this might be a good way to sum it up. I want folks to remember that a counterfeit creed has nothing on an authentic deed. A Love counterfeit it. creed has nothing on an authentic deed. Jason, we're three episodes in. Loving every minute of it, bro. Motown Philly, by the way, this is a little story behind our name, the Motown Philly. Jason is from Detroit, Michigan. And I, Tim Golden, am from the city of brotherly love, Philly. Together, we are the Motown Philly podcast, bringing you great content every week on communication, connection, and community. And we will see you, folks, or you'll be hearing from us next week. Can't wait, Jay. Can't wait either. Until next time, folks. Y'all be good. Take care of yourselves. Love, love you guys. And love one another.